It's Wednesday, February 17th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the day has arrived. It's the, the unofficial spring holiday in Cleveland. Uh, it might not look like it outside with, uh, with all the snow and the very chilly temperatures. And, and the folks down in Texas probably aren't, uh, aren't feeling like baseball today, but baseball is upon us. Pitchers and catchers are reporting to the facility in, in Arizona and in Goodyear for the Cleveland Indians. You know, most of those guys are already there. Uh, it's, it's a new generation. It's a, it, it's a totally different feel and approach for some of these guys whose, uh, you know, training and, and workouts, you know, carry them throughout the off season. These guys don't stop and then, you know, use spring training to get in shape. These guys arrive in camp ready to go from the get. We've seen some, some social media, videos from Zach Plesak and Shane Bieber. Uh, even the Naylor brothers are hitting at the, at the cages already. So, so Goodyear is already full of Indians players right now, but you, you're talking about this is sort of that benchmark day, that official day when, hey, if you're coming to camp, you better be here. Yeah, Joe, and, it, and it's kind of, you know, in, a, in normal camps, now this is hardly normal with all the protocols and stuff, but in normal camps, reporting day is kind of just a easy going day, you know, because like you said, most of the guys are there. Uh, they've been there for a couple of weeks. Some guys are living there. Um, and th- from what I can tell, no one really takes a head count because, you know, like we'd <laughs> asked Tito in years past, is everybody here? Is everybody supposed to be here? And he goes, yeah, I think so. You know, last time I checked, everybody was here. And then you talk to Mike Seggy, who's coming, you know, is anybody here? You know, not too many uh, visa problems anymore. Not too many holdouts. And uh, usually everybody kind of shows up. And uh, so it's not like, you know, there's like uh, somebody's checking off names at the, at the entrance, you know, of, of the guys who did and didn't report. Well, one, one way they'll be able to know for sure who's there and who's not is with these new tracking wristbands that they're going to have to wear, right? Anytime you're involved in a, a team activity, a workout, or you're working out at the facility, uh, the players have to wear wristbands that are proximity trackers uh, in terms of you know keeping everybody safely, socially distanced. This is something that's worked in the NBA, uh, and it's also worked in the NFL to a degree. Uh, the Major League Baseball incorporated it as a, as a component of their, their COVID-19 protocols uh, just to make sure that, that they get to the point where they can start the season on time now. Yeah, that nobody can uh, sneak off and uh, catch a couple Z's in a corner of the, a distant corner of the weight room anymore. They, they, they'll track you down and find you. So that, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, you know, a little addition to spring training. Yeah, they've low-jacked all the players, sort of like in Logan's run. They've got a, a beacon on their wrist, and, and people will know where they are. Uh, if, they, if they run off to, uh, to do, do some sightseeing in the, in the mountains or whatever, uh, you'll be able to find them uh, pretty quickly. Uh, again, things are going to be different in this camp. You're, you've got 70 players in camp now. You've got uh, this year, the difference for the Indians is you've got 14 non-roster invitees and some of those guys are veteran guys who are there on minor league contracts. That wasn't the case this time last year. And, uh, you know, just things are, are just in general a different feel for the, for the team. Yeah, this, that's a really good move in my, part, in my mind, Joe. Bringing in some experience. You know, they, they need some experience in that bullpen. Uh, pretty, you know, outside of Whitgren, they're pretty young. 
there. And uh, so guy, having guys like Brian Shaw and Parker and, uh, uh, you know, guys like that, having those guys in there, hopefully they, they, they still have something left enough to make the club and, and help them out in, you know, kind of middle or, or kind of late inning relief. And they also, you know, show guys how to get ready. You know, if, you know, Brian Shaw, if you can't learn something from Brian Shaw every time, you know, as many times as he's been, has pitched, you know, in relief, you know, then you're not watching. Right, right. We, we, we detailed some of the position battles over the last couple of days uh, leading up to camp. Uh, we talked about those on, on the podcast. Uh, as far as, you know, you mentioned veteran guys, the outfield is also going to have some veteran guys there. Uh, Billy Hamilton, Ben Gamble are, are in camp on minor league contracts. Eddie Rosario uh, comes in, and he's a veteran guy uh, to, to play left field. Uh, can the young guys in the outfield also learn something by watching uh, and, and, and being around the veterans? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, especially a guy like Rosario. I mean, established power hitter. You know, he, he's going to stand out in that outfield because they haven't had a guy like him uh, for, a, for a long, long time, Joe. So I think and I think, more, you know, the presence, the ability to hit in the middle of the lineup, uh, the ability to drive the ball out of the park. And, you know, he's he's played in the postseason. You know, that helps. So I think, you know, you know, I'm not sure what kind of guy he is, uh, but. I would imagine he'll, you know, he could be very, very helpful. You know, he's an experienced, uh, you know, veteran guy. And that was one of the reasons they brought him in. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things. And then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know, and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team. And the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or Text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian Subtext. Yeah, you know, we we were talking before we got on the podcast here about uh, you know, just just discussing who who takes over that leadership role after Francisco Lindor has moved on to the Mets. Uh, you've got maybe maybe a little bit of a vacuum there. Uh, does Rosario Rosario's on a one year contract? Cesar Hernandez is on a one year contract. 
both established guys who've, who've produced, but are the young guys in that clubhouse really going to look to them, uh, you know, when, when things go rough during the season, or is it going to be somebody like uh, Jose Ramirez? Does he step forward? Uh, and, you know, is his personality in line with somebody who does something like that? Uh, or is it more like a, a Roberto Perez? Can you, can you get the same uh, impact out of a Shane Bieber who's got a Cy Young in his, in his trophy case now, but you know, he only pitches every once every five days. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's an intriguing question, Joe. It's something that's always kind of, uh, I've always been interested in that field of it. Uh, just how do you lead? Who's a leader on a baseball team? And I've seen two guys that really jump out to me. It was uh, Jason Giambi and, and Mike Napoli. I thought those guys were the, uh, the essence of leadership and, the way they did it, it wasn't necessarily on the field, although, you know, they, they produced at big moments. But if you saw them in the locker room, you know, just the way they they worked each corner of the locker room, there was no clicks. There was there was they talked to the Latin guys. They talked to, you know, the pitchers. They talked to, you know, the, the guys that weren't in their position group. I mean, and they really, you know, and, and they did it subtly. I mean. I remember Napoli and, and Jose Ramirez, you know, playing, uh, playing, uh, you know, cards at before every day before, uh, before, uh, you know, the, the games during before batting practice. And it seemed like such an unlikely pairing, you know, Napoli, you know, this, this kind of hard bitten, you know, white former catcher, you know, looks like he'd run through a wall and, and, and Ramirez who didn't, you know, from the Dominican, didn't speak a whole lot of Spanish. I mean, English and they, but there was a bond there and he did the same thing with the Carlos Santana. Santana was mad the year they brought in Napoli because he knew it would cost him time at first base. So Napoli goes to, to Francona and goes, Hey, listen, let's talk to uh, Santana, you know, let's talk to him and work something out between the two of us. And, you know, Santana had a great year. Napoli had a great year. They both go and they go to the World Series that year. So, you know, that was to me, that's leadership. And is there a guy like that on this team right now? I don't think so, you know, because Napoli and, and Giambi were imported. You know, they brought him in from the outside. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a guy like Bieber kind of stands out to me and, and a guy like uh, like Ramirez. But I don't, you know, does Ramirez, I think, you know, there's kind of leaderships that, you know, lead by example every day. You put, you go out there, you post up every day, you play hard every day. You know, some days are good, some days are bad, but you're always there. And I think in baseball, that's leadership as well. It's not always a guy screaming from the top step, waving a towel. That's right. not the, that's not the leader. It's not always a guy, you know, talking to the most reporters after a game. That's not a leader. You know, I think guys. I've seen them before. I've seen guys move behind the scenes. And like you said, Roberto, Roberto Perez is, is, I think, a good example of that. I think he uh, he's the longest tenured player there now, you know, with Carrasco gone. So he's been there the longest. His voice should uh, carry some weight. Right. And Bieber appears to have all of the characteristics of somebody you would like in that role. He's, he's just he's been there, you know, almost three years. So you got to give him time. Uh, I, in, in the long term, I, a guy who might be a sleeper candidate to me for that, uh, Fran Reyes is a guy who, who could lead in that regard. He's, he's sort of like in the, uh, 
he's in the incubator program, I guess. You you put him off to the side and you let him watch and observe and and maybe he develops into a leader like that because because Framel's definitely got the personality. He's the kind of guy who everybody in that clubhouse, you know, enjoys being around and and nobody has a bad word to say about him. So uh, you know, maybe maybe future leaders of the Indians, uh, Framel Reyes could be could be there down the line. Uh, one leader uh, who who led by example, led by his production over a long stretch with the Indians, and uh, you know became the the franchise's all time leader in saves uh, before moving on. Uh, you know, uh, I, I believe he last pitched in 2019 with the Angels. Uh, Cody Allen announced his retirement uh, today, and and really it, it's a tough situation for Allen. I think. Maybe in a different world, uh, he, he might have tried to, to hang on with another team, but he, he just really sort of fell off and, and wasn't as productive as those, those sort of salad days he had with the Indians from, you know, 2013 to, to 2018. Yeah, just a great guy, Joe. A guy that was maybe a 23rd round draft pick, you know, shot through the system. I mean, I think, you know, uh, he made maybe stop, made four stops in one year. And through the minor league system, his first year, you know, could throw hard, had a great curveball, and was used to perfection by Francona. Francona, you know, kind of started what he did with uh, Andrew Miller in the in the postseason in 2016. He really was experimenting with uh, Cody Allen in 2013, 14, 15. Cody wasn't the closer per se but he would bring him in with the bases loaded in the third or fourth inning uh, with two outs to get a big out. And then he gradually, you know, uh, you know, moved him back to later in the game until he became the closer, you know, uh, franchise leader in saves, franchise leader in, in relief appearances. And uh, when he left Cleveland, he, uh, he had kind of, uh, he had hit the wall. I don't think uh, he had just pitched and pitched and pitched and uh, I mean, just, you know, 70, 80 performances, you know, appearances a year and just the greatest, you know, everybody talks about Andrew Miller in the 2016 postseason. Look at Cody Allen's stats in that, in that year. He didn't give up a run. He gave, no, no. He, he, uh, he pitched 13 and two third innings, made 10 appearances. I think he saved six games and uh, he was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's just a shame they didn't win the World Series because that was the highlight of his career. He, he pitched in four World Series games that year, didn't allow a run, struck out 12 in six innings in the World Series, and uh, he saved game three. It was a one nothing game in, in Chicago. And, you know, talk about a guy who never ducked an interview when he did blow a save. This was a guy who you could rely on him to, to be there and, and, and face – reporters on good days and bad days uh just a, a real stand-up guy and and a, a pleasure to to sort of interact with him uh over the course of a couple of seasons there when when the indians were when they when the indians bullpen was as good as it got uh, like you said francona used him to perfection but uh, ultimately probably used him uh overused him if if, if that was the case uh, because he didn't have much left in the tank when he went to the Angels. Yeah, he got hurt with the, I mean, he didn't, he got released by the Angels in 2019. He went to camp with Texas in 2020. I think he got hurt 
and uh, he just decided, uh, you know, enough was enough, uh, you know, this year. But uh, good guy, um, and you were right, Joe. I mean, he took the ball. Him and Shaw never said no when when uh, when they were asked if they were ready to pitch. And you know, he he did kind of lose a little velo toward the end of his stay, and you know, he started to get a little knocked around a little bit. But you know, boy, he he just. He, when he was on his game, he was really, really tough to hit. And uh, two-pitch pitcher, fastball, and a great curveball. And it just uh, really, uh, uh, you know, really, I mean, he, he was, he's what a closer should be. Right. Well, speaking well, of enough is enough, uh, enough uh, another story that uh, popped up today, uh, the Athletic reporting that the Mets had uh, earlier uh, this year fired a, an assistant hitting coach, uh, Ryan Ellis, uh, accused by three different women of sexual harassment uh, along the lines of what we saw with Mickey Calloway uh, over the course of a few seasons in Cleveland, uh, in New York, and in Los Angeles. Uh, and, and as far as uh, that harassment is, is concerned, uh, like you said, enough is enough. I, I, we're going to continue to hear stories like this, I think, throughout the entire season as, as more of uh, these situations come to light and Major League Baseball has implemented new protocols and new uh, reporting avenues for uh, not just women reporters, but all reporters who, who, who witness something uh, of this nature going on and, and want to speak out and want to make sure that these situations don't happen and, and aren't perpetuated. Uh, but there are a lot of guys in baseball who have better be, uh, you know, looking over their shoulder because it, it's coming for them next. I think one of the, the lines in that story about Ryan Ellis, the, uh, the assistant hitting coach in New York, who, who was fired by the Mets, uh, he, he told one of his, uh, his accusers, uh, don't use my words against me. And I think that's really come home to roost uh, for this, this situation. I think a lot of uh, guys out there in Major League Baseball uh, are, are sleeping rather uneasy uh, lately because some of the things that they've said and done are going to come back to bite them. Yeah, Joe. I mean, it's just a matter of respect. You know, you've got to and being a good person and, and baseball really has to take a look at itself, at the culture it's manifested, its attitude toward uh, women and, 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 and minorities. And, and, you know, they have to each team has to go create a safe working space for people who are just trying to make a living, you know, just, uh, just reporters and, 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 and protect the people that work for the, for the, for their team, the women that work for their team. I mean, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I'm glad this stuff is coming out now. I, I wouldn't want to be a, a, an employee of the Mets right now. That's uh they got the GM, the, the former manager and now a hitting coach you know, that is not a good track record. And especially the people that hired these guys, you know, obviously the vetting, the vetting for employees has to improve. Right. And right. It, it's hard to, to, to vet this, this type of situation. Do you, do you go around and ask, uh, you know, any female employee who's been within any of these guys sphere for the last several years, you know, Hey, do you have any text messages you you're, you're holding on to or, or want to reveal it. And, and the, the, the problem isn't the, I don't think the problem is the, it, it is the vetting, but I, I think the problem is that 
this was allowed to exist for so long and not be addressed. You know, the, the Me Too movement happened in 2017. Uh, I, I think up until that point, nobody had said anything and nobody had spoken up and nobody had, had come forward and, and, and sort of said, hey, this is wrong. I, it, it, it just, it's stunning the, the, the heights that this had gotten to. Uh, you know, before it was addressed and, and it's starting to to sort of bring change now. Uh, I, I trust the Indians uh, in so far as Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff have, have sort of earned that trust from us, but I don't necessarily believe right now that they didn't know something was going on with Mickey Calloway when he was here. So, uh, I trust that they're going to do as, as much of the right thing as they possibly can right now. But I, as far as when it was going on, I had no idea it was going on. I, I, I find that a little bit hard to believe. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, they, Joe, I think there's a difference between, you know, harassment. And if you're, if you know, if you hear whispers about, extramarital affairs, you know, th those are, those are different, different, I guess you, in, in the workplace, you take a different approach to each, to each of those. Now, did they know about the harassment? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of women that were around the Indians then, uh, and, uh, you know, none of them said they had been harassed by Callaway, but uh, some of them, you know, knew about it. Some of them weren't surprised by the story. You know, some of them said it was, a, a, you know, a, a, a well-known secret. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know when you separate rumor, truth from rumors. I mean, that's, that's the tough part. Right. All right. Well, uh, on to, to more pleasant uh, areas of, of baseball and then, you know, the spring training getting going officially now throughout the league. What's uh you can't wait to what are you getting out there uh what uh, the the 27th 28th you're, you're heading out to arizona 27th february 27th. Uh, uh, give us give us one thing you're looking forward to what's one uh what's one reason that you're excited to head out to to spring training and and at least be around the team and as much as we can uh, in this this covid environment well usually it would be to uh eat some Mexican food. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to go out of, outside the, the hotel or whatever to, uh, with the protocols. But yeah, I, you know, I just like being out there and just, uh, you know, just watching bullpens and uh, being at that, that, well, you, you really can't go into the complex anymore. Uh, you know, just, you know, it's looking over the complex and seeing seeing the tail fins of all the the uh, the airliners. You know, there's a like a airline uh, graveyard behind behind the Indians complex, and you look out there and they look like sharks to me, swimming swimming through the ocean with their fins up. You know, so and it's just a you know a massive you know uh, uh, airplane graveyard behind behind uh, the uh, Goodyear complex. I like that. I like just. Uh, just be being there, and uh, you know it's it's a good thing. It's uh, it's just fun. It's just uh, it's just uh, you know it's it's I don't know. It's just uh, it you know <laughs> you're out of the weather. You're you're there's no snow around. You know, and it's it's kind of cool just to be in the desert. You know. Well, that would be oh, enough. For, that would be enough for me right now to get out of this uh, this sub-zero weather. 
Hey, Hoinsey, uh, we're, we're about at the end here uh, now. We're going to get going. But uh, hopefully over the next couple of days, we'll start getting some uh, interviews and some Zoom meetings with uh, some of these tribe players and with Tito. It would be great to, to connect with them uh, here and, and report back to you guys uh, what we know here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow.